Hey Rodney, did you know Slack's been a part of the Ready for as long as I have? You mean like back in the Bryant Park days? You know it. Even when there were only a couple of us working out of a cafe in Midtown, Slack is where we came together to tackle the future of work. Over eight years later, we're fully decentralized across eight time zones, and we still do it all with Slack. That's right, because it's the AI-powered platform for growing your business, keeping your teams connected, and making work legitimately simpler. Now you can get up to speed on a new project with one-click summaries or find exactly what you need, when you need it, with an AI-supercharged search function. It makes your day-to-day easier and gives you the freedom to focus on what really matters, your future. Grow your business without the grind in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to our mini-series all about the ready and the future of HR. It's me, Rodney, and Sam. Hi, Sam. Hi, Rodney. How are you? I'm good. (laughs) Do you see what's written next to your name? (laughs) (laughs) Our producer is fully trolling Sam in the comments. Oh, oh, oh. I like triathlons and hot dogs is what I've been told (laughs) to read in the script. And uh, I already established this with our producer that I will read Anchorman-like anything put in front of me. Uh, Uh So that's what we're going to roll with. Sam's whole personality, triathlons and hot dogs and hockey. That's true. Uh, That's true. Yeah. The the trifecta. The (laughs) trifecta. <laughs> the Sam Sperling trifecta. That's not what we're talking about today. I think we've done enough of that already. Um, today, we're doing part two of the conversation about how AI can unlock level five in the maturity model. We're picking up right from where we left off. So if you didn't listen to part one yet, you might want to go back and do that. And before we dig in, we will, as always, do a check-in round. Rodney, we are walking through the forest, going for a nice little hike. Oh, you Lord. see a big rock. You flip it over. What are you hoping to see? Treasure. What kind of treasure? Buried treasure. Like from a pirate. Like if Spanish pirates came and they had like a big old trunk and it was full of golden coins. Nice. I've been using this checking question for the past like three days and finally someone says treasure. So thank you for doing that. What do other people say? What else is there under rocks? (laughs) Well, would you like to hear my answer? Yeah. Sure. I want to see. I want to see a cute little snake, but Ew, not a bitey that's the snake. Last thing not, I want to see, Sam. Not a not a not a mean biting snake. A cute little snake uh, who's snake. just kind of happy to be there. And that's that's what I'd like to see. Okay, so just to be clear, you're flipping over a rock, and you can yes. hope to see literally anything. <laughs> yeah. And you're hoping for a cute little snake. That's that's like your greatest desire. Hey, Rodney. Which of the two of us is more likely to have their dreams met? I mean, (laughs) you, because yours is the worst one. Mine is rooted in reality. And really, um, keeping my expectations in check is really kind of one of my um, core competencies. So Mm. I'm going to roll with Mm -hmm. it. All right. We're checked in. Let's talk about AI. So there are a couple of things that, to me, particularly for HR, have just been unwinnable battles that I'm feeling really optimistic about. One is the feedback battle, unlike the performance management battle. And we talked about this in an episode with Meg briefly, but I do just fundamentally think that 
the way that organizations work right now, the fact that our livelihood, our safety, our medical benefits, et cetera, are all tied up in our employment, in at least in America, means that the incentive to belong and to not get kicked out is incredibly high, which means that the incentive to know for real what's going on and how you're doing and if you're failing and what needs to change is low. And it's not just low for the employees, it's low for the managers too. Like there is not a lot of upside to real candor in most places. And that is just the truth. And we have, as a result, we have complicated, emotionally avoidant systems. And I don't think that there is a human solution to that. I think the only solution to that that really starts to move the needle is me interacting with technology that does not have any power over my circumstances to tell me the truth. Because I think that is the only place that I could theoretically process that without immediately being in existential threat. Yeah, I like the, the, the privacy of making sense of the feedback with a technological tool. That's really an interesting because even in the best of circumstances, another human being that you have potentially a kind of just a long history with, the first move is always first the like checking of the emotional valence yeah. of like, how do I feel about this? And that's immediately a distraction from the objective sort of feedback that you're trying to get. So yeah, I wonder then if talking to an AI and receiving that feedback will remove that emotional valence. I think it's maybe, maybe is the answer to that because people seem to be having some pretty emotional reactions and conversations with AIs, which is very interesting as well. It's very interesting. And, you know, my hope is like through exposure and practice and over time we get there. Yeah. But I also think that part of it is also I've interacted with a couple of AI tools that help with like sentiment analysis with communication that you're creating. And like mm -hmm. where that information and that analysis comes from, I don't know, and is not germane to this conversation. But like Sam's reading of my tone through Sam's lens and trauma saying that I'm being too assertive or too aggressive or too direct or whatever versus the AI's reading of my sentiment right. is very different. Like it's a very different experience. And I think part of why feedback has been so confounding is we will never get greater bias out of it. And part of it is that we are constantly trying to make sense of opposing data points. And I've found this to be true in some of this tooling that I use where like, I think I'm just being polite or conversational and the AI is like this language is hedging like mm -hmm. basically like say what you want to say you know what I mean yeah. and so I think in the feedback realm there is just a quantity of data and a removal of a lot of our most human tendencies that might <laughs> allow us to really increase our self-awareness like in yeah. a really wonderful way that doesn't completely fuck up our psychological safety well, and not even just the removal of stuff, but I'm thinking about this massive potential around personalization. Like the AI knows how I best respond to feedback and it's able yes. to give it to me in a way that I get maximum benefit from so that I can internalize it and be a better human. That's, that's yeah, that'd be cool. That'd be really cool. So like that's one area, you know, the knowledge management thing we've obviously touched on, but it's just like yeah. we have got to have a living way to know what the fuck is going on in our organizations. And there <laughs> isn't one. We need this one. today. 
I need I, right now. Is, our I know, AI man. is we. I go on Slack and I say, "Hey, everyone, do we have hey, a everybody?" This? And then some people will say, "Yeah, here you go," and they'll give me a link. That's great. That's basically what an AI does. And right now, I'm distracting a bunch of humans who should be doing better things. I should have an AI who can find the thing for me. Except an AI does it properly, whereas I'm just like, yeah. "Here's the first thing that came to my mind." Yeah, and, and it'll, it'll, right. it'll give me it without the snark, which is what I often receive from some people, <laughs> some named Rodney, when they say, here, idiot. <gasps> How uh, dare you? Thing. I know. How dare you? That was pre-vacation Rodney, Sam. <laughs> That's right. This is new Rodney. This is new Rodney. This is new Coke. Yeah, so I feel like the knowledge management thing is just, again, complicated solutions on complicated solutions. And then the third one is just, you know, the other thing we've already touched on, which is like, there is not a good solution really for resource management, whether you are talking about humans or dollars. The dollar side is obviously better because it is less complex than the human side. But when you are trying to run a services business and understand where the time goes and how to allocate it, Holy shit, it is a never-ending well of despair. And I've been in it now for, you know, going on 12 years. And I have seen all of what's out there so far from a solutions perspective and haven't found one yet. So it is the tooling for a dynamic talent marketplace that just does not exist. Yeah. So those are the three things that are like solving current problems that I know have not been solved and that I don't believe there is a internet-based traditional technology that will ever solve because they would have by now. And so I'm waiting for the AI overlords to sort me out. And what I would say is if you are listening to this and you're thinking, oh, Rodney just described my job or a part of my job that I have, (laughs) I would say, I hear you. And- I would also argue that humans are not best suited for the thing that we just described for all the reasons. And by freeing somebody up from doing that, what I'm really excited about is what do we now do with this new capacity? Human beings who now aren't having to do truly kind of this complicated sort of information managing stuff well, what could you do now? And let's not just fill your space, what you're capable of doing and the experience that you have with just bullshit. Like, let's have those folks do things that the AI is not great at right now. One of those things, at least for the foreseeable future, is going to be double checking the AI's work so it didn't make any shit up. Yeah. So, Sam, I want to talk more about this I'm going to lose my job thing because in a lot of the conversations that I'm having with the future of HR folks in the world, client folks, not ready folks, this is Mm -hmm. a big concern. It's not just about AI, but just in general. It's like, well, if we were to move this work to a platform team, then what would I do? Or if we were to carve this out and try to find an automated solution, then what value am I bringing, et cetera? And it's like, we just spent two episodes talking about the new skills that will be required, and you should be doing that stuff. But For someone who is sort of staring down the barrel of potentially being automated out of a role, and to be clear, I don't think this is going to happen like manana, but if a solution appeared that, for example, automated 
a significant portion of your working week. And you knew that on Monday, you were going to start having a lot more white space in your calendar. Let's say that you were going to suddenly have 10 or 20 hours appear that did not exist before. What would you do? Cloud nine. You should be on all of our clients. If that was suddenly their (laughs) situation, would. (laughs) would be so stoked. No, I think, I mean, that's totally reasonable. I mean, the first thing that I would tell someone is like, feel your feelings. Like that's, uh-huh. that's a, that's a thing at first, you know, I'm not, I am not going to sit here and say like, everybody buck up. And if your job gets automated away, go learn how to code and make an AI. Like what the fuck? Like that's yeah, not, a, that's absolutely not, a thing. not. So like feel your feelings, know that it's okay to feel that sense of loss. Like, there are some really complex skills that took a long time to develop that are kind of in the sights of AI right now. So that's the first thing. And then the the second thing, and you kind of implied this in the scenario, is that smart organizations aren't going to lay these people off. They are going to suddenly have really smart, capable people with capacity to do other things. And there's plenty of things I think that AI can't do that only humans can do, especially in these incredibly early days of AI. Maybe in a hundred years, like that's a different story, but none of us have to worry about that because we'll all be very dead. So I'm curious, like what you can go find to do in an organization when you suddenly have that significant amount of time to like go figure things out that an AI can't necessarily. I don't know, you're you're chomping at the bit with some like some better takes on this. I'm very curious what you have in your head. I would love to know what led you to that conclusion. A couple things. One is I really appreciate that you said sit in the discomfort of it because when you say like, I think a lot of our clients would be like, fuck yeah, I actually disagree with you. I think a lot of people in a lot of organizations complain about their business and they complain about their wasted time. But what that kind of pace and schedule and cadence of work allows for is not a lot of choice and not a lot of decision. And you can kind of just be on the floaty of your shit day and like come home and be like, well, another one in the can, you know? And it's like, even, even operating at a task level or at a reactive level or at a firefighting level allows you the dopamine hit of being like, a thing had to be done and I did the thing and now it's done. And a lot of us are quite addicted to that feeling. And I have worked with executives who through our work together have found a lot of time and they fucking panic because they have time to think for the first time in 20 years and they don't know what to do. I have been there and that is a legitimate psychological minefield to be on when you're like, Oh shit. My job now is to think and learn, and I haven't done that in 20 years. I 100% agree with you, and I disagree with Sam of two minutes ago, and I yeah. agree with you. Screw that guy. And we could totally do an entire episode about two things, which we won't, but I just want to say them because I very much agree Maybe with you. Maybe we will. So Pick two me. of the most common tension cards that show up with every client are mm. we have too many bad me- too many meetings and they're bad yep. and we have too much email yep. and i very much believe and i have will not generally say this to a client the first time i meet them because they will kill me is that neither of these tensions have any shot in hell of going away because you all love email and you love meetings and you will never let go of them yeah and it's like i don't think that they 
actually love them, but I think they they love avoiding something more uncertain and messy and unknown. And it is an easy way to avoid it because you're like, I'm cleaning out the old inbox, you know? Senior leaders get off the hook too for the organization because they don't need to have a super clear strategy because nobody has really the time or energy or space to actually take action toward it. If we didn't have emails and meetings, then people would be asking questions about like, well, how do I best use my time in service of what we're actually trying to do? And that's a hard question to answer. That's right. You know, we're not going to do a whole lot on like deep work and strategic thinking right now. But what I would tell you is like, I've learned a lot about this in the last bunch of months as a lot of foundational things at the ready, as we've kind of made a pivot, have gotten sorted and shored up. And frankly, as a team that I work with has just grown in expertise and capacity and ability, I am finding myself with more time on my calendar. And it's really appealing to fill it up with stuff that will make me feel like I'm being productive. And I'm really trying and mostly succeeding in not doing that. And in instead in having more conversations with people outside of the organization and reading more of a variety about what's happening in the environment and spending time walking without AirPods in and thinking deeply about problems that I see in our system. And it's not really that comfortable. And I have lots of moments. I had one of them this morning in our all company meeting where I'm like, do people think that I like don't do any work here? Because that kind of work is not always so visible, but actually I see the out puts and the benefits of that work every single day in our system, it's just not obvious. It's just not always obvious that the conversation that I had with someone that sparked the thinking about how we would do this thing differently came from me going for a swim. And it's like, I know that that is for a lot of people just like, oh my God, shut up. I cannot even. But again, knowledge workers, wisdom workers, insight workers, you have to like have time to get the inputs and then make the meaning in order to move the system. And you can't do that if you're just in like, push the lever, get the candy all day. Well said. Oh, that was, well, thanks for coming to my TED Talk, man. I don't know. It's Friday afternoon, feeling existential in nature. Okay, this was a far-ranging conversation, Sam. But it is meant for Mm -hmm. people who are interested in the future of work and the future of HR and the future of AI. If you are maybe an HR person, but maybe just another person in a company that does not seem to be doing their own experimentation with AI, what should you start doing? Okay, yeah. I mean, start by getting an account at ChatGPT. Google ChatGPT. It'll be one of the last things you Google for. No, I'm just kidding. Go to ChatGPT, get an account. Start messing with it there. Once you are in and start just having conversations, I think there, you should look at what you do in a typical week and try introducing AI to parts of it. So for me, that has looked a lot like I spend a lot of time making templates or like thinking through meeting designs or a facilitation plan. Throw an instruction like, hey, I need to run a 30-minute meeting with this group of people to get these outcomes. What do you got for me? And mm, love that. I'm not saying copy and paste what it gives you, but I am saying you may be surprised by what it does give you and maybe it gets you 20% of the way there or 30% of the way there or 40% of the way there. That is 
interesting and may give you some new insight into what the tool is capable of and give you new insight into what it means to be good at your job. Because uh, I think it's very easy to get kind of stale on like, these are the moves that I always do. And AI will inevitably give you some things that you haven't thought about. So figure out what you're already doing in a, in a day-to-day capacity and try to introduce a sprinkling of AI. Another really common one is AI is great at summarizing information. So if yeah. you have to read long memos, articles, start looking for some AI tools that are good at summarizing and see if you actually do start to create some capacity in your day because you're able to do things a little bit faster and give yourself a little treat and then maybe do find some other interesting work to do with that time as we just talked about. What else? What would you have recommend someone do? I mean, I think those are really good ones. And also like use it for some fun stuff too. Yeah, do fun stuff. Do fun stuff. Because like when we were really dug into book writing last year, I was using AI a lot for like devil's advocate and summarization and prompting questions and things like that. For me, the real on-ramp was actually the dream interpretation thing. I was like, this is kind of boring and this thing is kind of dumber than me and it's okay, but I was very impressed by what the technology could do, but I didn't particularly enjoy my interaction with it until I found a really fun thing, like dream interpretation. And then I was like, oh, now I get it. Like now I get why this is exciting. So find your version of that that's exciting. My version of that was give me a, a logical kind of driving path to see as many Civil War battlefields within 100 miles of where I live. That is fascinating. Why would you want that? (laughs) I'm a history guy. I live in Virginia. I got to see some of these places. You got to see it. You know, Ed was on like a real mid-journey journey for many months where he, I mean, the number, he would just be like, look at this thing I'm in. I was like, oh, wow, hon, that's great. But then he started using, I think it was mid-journey. I'm not sure which AI, but to design tattoos. And now he's like deep in AI flash tattoo land. And I don't know. The point is find a thing (laughs) that you give a shit about and then see what it can do because it's a lot more fun to learn that way than by making a maturity model with it. We did it. Rodney, what the hell are we doing next week? Are we taking the week off? Oh, I I can't read the script. We've established that Sam reads scripts and me (laughs) not so much. Only you get the week off. Oh, I get the week <laughs> off. Right. Okay. Yes. It's just you, <laughs> not me. We have another guest episode next week. It's a surprise. It is exciting. You should tune in. It's it's going to be kind of a big deal. So yeah, so, so don't skip that one. And then Sam and I will be back. And in the meantime, please keep sharing these episodes. You all are really doing a wonderful job of passing these around. We are hearing about this series from a lot of people on the internet and in person and at clients. And we really, really appreciate the pass along of these future of HR apps. So please keep it going. Yeah, if you're new to the show, you could consider leaving a review on Apple Podcasts. Sam left one and everyone should go see it. (laughs) I did leave a review for this show. Thought it was accurate. And what did it say, Sam? Are you going to tell them what it said? (laughs) It It made the rounds already at the ready. The the new co-host sounds handsome and smart. (laughs) Five stars. Thanks as always to Taylor Marvin for making us sound awesome. This mini series is produced by The Ready. 
where we help organizations around the world change the way they work. You can get in touch with us by emailing fohr at theready.com. And as for you HR leaders listening right now, let's change ourselves. <laughs>